0: In, in Judaism, there is a, a, a value that we call tikkun olam, which literally translated means to repair the world. It doesn't mean repair the Jewish world. It doesn't say repair the Jewish world. It's tikkun olam, repair the world. And I think that that says to me that we not only have a responsibility to ourselves and our community, but we have a responsibility to the greater community, that we can only be as strong and safe and secure as the rest of the world around us.
1: Welcome to the Common Good Hour, hosted by Drew Reynolds, Roger LeClupe, and Carrie Rebens. In this podcast, you'll learn about the ways nonprofit and social sector professionals are tackling the big problems of our time, so you can improve your practice and advance the common good in your community. Hi everyone, I'm your host of the Common Good Hour, Drew Reynolds. Today I'm doing a solo cast as my co hosts Roger and Carrie won't be joining me today, but they'll be back for more episodes which we'll be releasing soon, so stay tuned. The cold open you just heard was our guest today, Elliot Karp, speaking about tikkun olam, a Hebrew phrase meaning to repair the world. And while this phrase has deep roots in a cultural and spiritual tradition different from my own, I cannot help but say that I was struck by the similarities this phrase has with two concepts from my own Catholic faith tradition. The first being this notion of the common good, that we have a shared responsibility to care for our common home and for others, and to create a society that works for the benefit of all people. The second being this notion of a preferential option for the poor, which teaches that God has a special relationship with those who are living on society's margins, and that when we build structures, policies, and the rules, that we first must consider the ways in which it will affect those with the least power to create them. In a way, that's what this podcast is all about. It's about people like Elliot and others who are out there repairing the world and building the common good. In today's example, Elliot shares how he does this work with students navigating the challenges of study through a pandemic. And so much of it comes back to building community and focusing on relationships, two ideas very familiar to those of you engaged in nonprofit and social sector work. So I'm really excited for this episode, both for those of you who are working with adolescents and college students specifically, but also more broadly as we share ideas about how to create community in a global pandemic. We all, as nonprofit and social sector workers, come from different experiences of culture, tradition, and faith, and so do those whom we serve. And so whatever it may be for you, I encourage you to draw on those resources as you personally navigate this difficult time. And hopefully this episode will be a chance for you to hear how one nonprofit leader engages this work from his own tradition and for those of you who do celebrate my hope is that you had a blessed yom kippur this past week so let's go ahead and get started with my interview with elliot we are joined now by elliot karp ceo of hillels of georgia elliot has served the jewish community his entire professional career and brings to his new position extensive local, national, and international executive leadership experience. He is a visionary with a deep commitment to Jewish life, living, and learning and values, and is a respected and recognized Jewish community professional. Elliot comes to Hillel's of Georgia from onward Israel, where he was vice president of development. Prior to that, he served as president and CEO of the Jewish Federation of Las Vegas. Previously, CARP was a senior executive with the Jewish Federations of Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, and Philadelphia, as well as the National United Jewish Appeal, the Jewish Agency for Israel, Brandeis University, and Hebrew Union College. Elliot, welcome to the Common Good Hour. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get started. So for those of you who are not familiar with your work, can you share a little bit about what you do?
0: Sure. Sure. Hills of Georgia is an umbrella organization. Uh, we are what we like to refer to as the Jewish home away from home on college campuses and universities for Jewish students. So uh, we are concerned about uh, advancing Jewish life and celebration. Um, we also are committed to community service, to philanthropy, to socialization. Um, And working not only to advance uh, the lives of our Jewish students so that they can in turn advance uh, both the Jewish community and and our world, but also in terms of building bridges to other faiths, other groups, other ethnic groups, uh, because we believe that we have a responsibility to the vitality, the welfare and the well-being of the entire uh, community. Uh, So Hills of Georgia operates on 24 campuses all across the state. Um, many of which are located in Atlanta, but uh, other places like Georgia College, um, uh, University of Georgia, and other places. And uh, we serve approximately 7,000 Jewish students, uh, you know, across our constellation.
1: Awesome. And so as you describe kind of the different areas you served and the size of your organization, can you talk a little bit about sort of the day-to-day life of students who are participating with um, Hello?
0: It's a it, it, great question. And uh, it varies because as we like to say, we're, we're a big tent and uh, we invite everybody to come under that tent and it's really a patchwork. It's a quilt and you can find your place, uh, you know, with what uh, inspires you or motivates you or what piques your curiosity is history. If it's religious celebration, if it's uh, networking, if it's Israel, if it's social justice, if it's uh, uh, making friends, uh, that's what Hill is all about. So our activities on a daily basis range from study groups to counseling, to large programs, to Sabbath, uh, Shabbat celebrations, Jewish holiday celebrations, um, working with other groups on campus uh, in terms of uh, uh, community involvement and activism. Uh, It runs the whole gamut.
1: Awesome. And so, you know, we'll dive into a few questions. I think that I'm certainly very interested in as we're in a crazy time here with a pandemic and whatnot. Um, but before we do that, um, can you talk a little bit to about why it's so important that students have an opportunity to be a part of a faith community like Hillel's uh, while they're in college? Uh,
0: it, it not only a faith community, but, you know, it, it, with regards to Jewish identity, um, that, that really is a, a, a complex and yet a very simple you know, question at the same time. What does it mean to be Jewish? Uh, is being Jewish a faith? Is it a religion? Is it a people? Is it a culture? Is it a shared history? Uh, and once again, our purpose as Hillel is not necessarily to proscribe uh, what a student believes, but to help students find their own path and their own journeys and to expose them that which already draws them to it, or if they're searching and seeking to at least make the menu, the offerings available to them. So as I like to kind of, you know, somewhat comically describe it, you know, if you're a gastronomic Jew, because you enjoy coming to Hillel for bagels and cream cheese, that's wonderful. That's great. You'll meet other people. And maybe you'll learn something about Jewish history and Jewish holiday celebrations, or you'll get involved with community service or philanthropic projects and and maybe you come because you were raised and you have a deep abiding faith and spirituality and that's what you're used to but now for the first time you're really being exposed to issues like racial justice and that's something that you want to learn more about and become involved in that is really the wonderful uh element of what hillel is really all about
1: awesome and so um You know, when we spoke a little bit by phone, I think that we had a chance to dive into a number of different areas, and I was really interested in how you were talking about how you're supporting students with leadership and careers and decision making, um, certainly during a very formative uh, time during students' lives. So, can you talk a little bit about how Halal supports students in that way?
0: Yeah, most importantly is our philosophy and our belief that. We are here to serve, to help students become engaged and to empower them. Um, So we really work very hard, very diligently, not again, not necessarily to prescribe activities, but to help tease them out of the students that are attracted to Hillel and to engage them where they are and then empower them to develop the programs and activities. Um, It's not to say that we don't provide counsel and guidance along the way. But first and foremost, we really are a student-led organization. We are there to provide, like I said, the support, the assistance, the guidance, and the counsel. We give them the opportunities to develop their programs, um, to, uh, to create them, uh, to work through the format and the structure in the organization. Uh, everything from program design uh, and implementation to budgeting and uh, revenue and how they're going to support their programs. Um, as well as providing them with the group dynamic and leadership skills that they need. What does it mean to lead a task force or a small committee or, or a board? And how do you deal with issues of communication and cooperation and collaboration? And uh, how do you develop consensus? Um, and what does it really mean to be a leader? So that's very much at, at, at the core essence of what we, we do as Hillel. Now, within one of those elements, you and I had a conversation, you know, that, One of the things that we're concerned about, and we think that there is a a new initiative area for us, is how do we help our students, not only in terms of their work within our community, but how do we help them in terms of their career paths um, in in, in whatever areas that they are studying and they hope to go into once they, they graduate? And can we provide them with opportunities for mentoring with people in their fields that they're studying or they know is their chosen career path, whether it's law, medicine, marketing, business, uh, social work, uh, community service, uh, spirituality, the rabbinate. Uh, clearly, there are people that we can connect our students to as mentors. We can provide internships and and most importantly, to help them when they get to that point in terms of networking so that they can hopefully find the next job. I mean, this is going to be a generation of students that, uh, you know, uh, they're tremendously uh, intelligent. They inspire me with, the, with, with how bright they are, how passionate, caring, and committed. But we're facing a rather uncertain economic future, and it's going to yeah. require, Absolutely. you know, a lot of support and assistance. And I think one of the things that we want to try to do is to be as supportive and helpful to them uh, in that.
1: So uh, you bring up a good point there, certainly with where we are with economic uncertainty and certainly the challenges of the pandemic. So I'm curious if you could talk, you know, by the time this episode airs, we'll probably be a little bit into the first couple of weeks of school. And I'm curious, you know, what do you think students are looking for in Hillel um, when everything is going to be at a distance, when an organization is sort of founded on the premise of bringing people together, Um, or maybe another way of thinking about it? What would success look like to you in December after the semester is done, recognizing the crazy world we're in?
0: Um, another really good question that uh, I don't know that I have answers, but I can give you reactions to it because we're all struggling with trying to find it. But uh, I, I think what our students have told us, what we're hearing, that in this crazy COVID pandemic world in which we're living, um, either because we're socially distanced, we're quarantining, maybe there'll be lockdowns and and what have you, is that they are looking for personal connection. They do miss um, what they took for granted, perhaps, which was that one-on-one small group, even large group interaction. Um, the last several months have forced us all into our own individual cocoons, or I guess the word of the day is pods. <laughs> yeah, we, right. all, we all occupy our own pods. And, and while that's great that you're together with perhaps family or with roommates, um, we really lost that sense of community. And what we're hearing from students is, is that's what they're missing. So we're trying desperately to find ways in this virtual world uh, to do that. So, Whereas before COVID-19, our tremendously dedicated staff spends a tremendous amount of time on -on one-on-one meetings, meeting for coffees, engaging students in conversations like this, but in person. Uh, We're spending a lot more time on the telephone. We're spending a lot more time on Zoom calls. Um, And we're looking for ways that are responsible that we can still find students and connect with them even during the pandemic. So, you know, as, as one example, um, you know, all of our universities and colleges are coming back. There'll be welcome week activities to one degree or another, most of which is all virtual orientation and what have you, but there still is the opportunity to at least be on campus and have a walk by where they can pick up an ice pop and, and we'll give them an elbow bump. Okay. <laughs> and we'll say, Hey, how are you doing? How are you? We're, we're still here. You're still here anything we can do to help you. Um, Those are the kinds of creative things that we're we're looking to do. Large programs like we normally would have, um, Friday night Shabbat dinners, uh, where, you know, at at, at any particular, at Emory, we would normally get 100 to 150 students. Uh, Those won't be taking place. What we are providing, though, is we're providing a Sabbath meal in a box. Students will come to the Hillel Marcus Center uh, at Emory. Pick up their box meal and then go back to their dorm rooms or to their apartments or to their pods, and they'll have you know all the accoutrements of a Shabbat dinner. They'll have a challah, they'll have candlesticks, they'll have grape juice, um, you know, and they'll have a a piece of chicken and maybe some kugel and some vegetables, and Mm -hmm. and hopefully that'll be that'll that'll be meaningful to them. You know what we like to say at Hillel is look, we're still open for business. It's just not business as usual, and while our doors might be somewhat closed. Our arms and our hearts are still wide open. We still embrace you. We're still here for you. You're not alone. And whatever you need, we're here to try to help provide that to you.
1: So you said something I think that also really helps segue into the next question that I have for you. You you said you're not alone in that sense of trying to build that community together even when working through social distance of course we know that mental health has been a rising challenge for adolescents and college students even before the pandemic came and so can you talk a little bit about how you're thinking about supporting young adults from a mental health lens as well
0: absolutely and, and it is the critical question i mean this this unfortunately was already a generation that um, had the highest incidence of mental health issues uh, before the pandemic and so the, the impact that the pandemic has had will, will more than likely be profound. So the steps are, number one, first and foremost, we're providing our staff with special in-service training so that they are more aware of the telltale signs when someone is uh, in need of help. Um, not that we are therapists. We, we are not. We, we don't want to be, and we're not prepared to do that. But we also need to be more in tune with what are the signs so that we can identify them. Secondly, we we have tremendous allies with all of our universities where we operate. um, We have great relationships with student health services, with the mental health services on campus. And then in addition, we're very, very fortunate that uh, in Atlanta, uh, which is a very large, very highly organized Jewish community, we have an organization known as the Jewish Family and Career Service, which is a social service agency, so that we can make referrals. Uh, and we can help uh, students that that are looking for help or we believe you know should seek help, uh, either through the mental health services at a university or through the Jewish community. Um, but the most important thing is to, is to this one-on-one contact, even in this virtual realm, through telephone calls, to pick up the telltale signs. And I guess the last piece also that's important to note is we're also sharing with our students that they have a responsibility to their friends, to their roommates, to their um, to their dorm mates, to the people that they are close to. If something doesn't seem right with a friend of yours, don't ignore it, bring it to someone's attention. Um, you can't go wrong by saying, hey, you know, and I'm concerned about my roommate, I'm concerned about my friend. Um, it could be nothing and more than likely it probably is nothing, but don't ignore the sign. So that that, it's a very sensitive issue because we're not trying to be alarmist. We're just being very pragmatic, very real, and bringing it to everyone's attention. Yeah. We're all under a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. Um, you know, we, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We hope for the best, but we have to prepare for perhaps you know what will be less than the best. Um, and whatever plans we make today may change tomorrow, and that just causes anxiety. I don't care whether you're a five-year-old a 25 year old or a 20 year old or older like me Um, everybody suffers from it so the more we can create that circle of support caring and compassion the better off
1: we will all be so as you're thinking about um the upcoming year and then also the work that you've done before um, you know, our audience many are nonprofit leaders, social workers, and other people, um, and I think many will uh, resonate because they um, with this podcast because they work with college students or with adolescents. And so, maybe can you share one thing that you've learned in working with young adults and students in college as really important in supporting their growth and development?
0: Wow that 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 would be a podcast in and of itself. But <laughs> Uh, I, I will tell you that in, in my short time being here in Atlanta working with our students, first of all, I am, I am so inspired by, by them. They are beyond belief some of the most intelligent people that I've ever encountered. Um, and, and, and that's important because they don't miss a beat on anything. They are in, They are informed. They are knowledgeable. And I do believe that they are looking for ways to express themselves and to find avenues and outlets where they can channel their curiosity as well as their desire to make a difference in the world. I think it's incumbent upon us, the quote unquote adult community, to realize uh, that and to also realize that their solutions more than likely are not our solutions and that we really need to work harder to let them be empowered to work things out the way that they see the world and to support them in that. Again, that goes back to what I said a few moments ago in terms of what our goal and objective is at Hilo, which is to engage and empower students. Um, Not everything, the conversations I have with students, uh, you know what, quietly, I don't know that I necessarily agree with where they're going, (laughs) but but I kind of look at and say, you know what, that's for them to discover. That's for them to be successful at. Or to fail at, quite honestly, and learn from it. Um, and and I think that that's important for all of us that are involved in social services and community work, working with adolescents and college-age youth, is to say, you know what, we have a lot of experience, and, and, and that's important. But if we empower them, if we support them, then they're more inclined to listen to our counsel advice. If we tell them what to do from the get-go, they're just going to disconnect. They're going to go away. And so I guess the lesson that I've learned is before I start offering advice, there's a reason why, as I like to say, Drew, there's a reason why God in her infinite wisdom gave us two ears and one mouth.
1: (laughs) I love it. That's great. Um, So, you know, as we kind of come to the, the close of our interview today, I, I love to ask people when I get a chance to share a little bit about their own career journey and, kind of what led them to where they are today and and what is it that really drives you and motivates you and excites you about your work so that those who are interested in your career path or who want to follow something similar, you know, can learn from it?
0: Um, w- wonderful question. I, I, I ponder it often, but every time I ponder it, I come back to some some very real practical applications for me. And that number one is, if I were a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, I would still be a proud, committed member of our Jewish community. Um, it's what informs me. It's it, what um, inspires me. Um, it, it, it what gives me great joy and celebration. And oftentimes, I get asked the question, "Well, what kind of Jew are you?" Meaning, usually, you know, are you Reform? Are you Conservative? Are you Orthodox? And, and I understand those labels, and they're important to a certain degree. But you know what? It, 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 in my career now, I oftentimes answer that I'm a proud Jew. That's what, that's what really motivates me. And so um, I've been able to really combine what would have been an avocation if I were an attorney or a businessman or a physician uh, and turned it into my vocation. So I've got the best of all worlds. i <laughs> combine combined my advocation with my vocation. Um, and what inspires me is the opportunity to um, be a proponent of change. Um, and to make things better. And it's important for me, not only because when I'm making better and changing and sustaining dynamic Jewish life, but I'm also very much committed that that community and that life that I want, it can only happen if the greater community around me uh, is also strong, is also changing. Um, In in Judaism, there is a a value that we call tikkun olam, which literally translated means to repair the world. It doesn't mean repair the Jewish world. It doesn't say repair the Jewish world. It's tikkun olam, repair the world. And I think that that says to me that we not only have a responsibility to ourselves and our community, but we have a responsibility to the greater community, that we can only be as strong and safe and secure as the rest of the world around us. And that leads to another important value in in Jewish faith and belief, and that is betzelem Elohim, that all people are created in the image of God, that we're all holy, that the differences between us, because of skin color, because of faith, because of gender, because of economic situation, those are all real. But at the end of the day, at the core, we are all created in God's image. And therefore we're all holy and therefore we should all treat each other with the dignity and respect that each other deserves.
1: Oh man, there's so much good there. Thank you. The, um, you know, when you mentioned to repair the world, it made me think of a book I had been reading actually this past year that had a real profound impact on me called to repair the world by Paul Farmer, where he puts together a number of his different graduation speeches, um, and speaks about, I think a lot of these same themes, Um, and, uh, you also reminded me of one of my favorite quotes ever from Jane Adams, the good we secure for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for all of us and incorporated into our common life. And I think there's certainly a lot of common language going on here today. Um, so thank you, Elliot, for your time and for your wisdom and for coming on to our podcast to share the work that you're doing at Hillel's of Georgia. I know that I've certainly enjoyed this conversation and our listeners will as well.
0: I did too. And I commend you for uh, having this, having me on and for the good work that you're doing with this podcast.
1: Awesome. Thank you. So again, that was Elliot Karp, CEO of Hillel's of Georgia. You can follow Hillel's of Georgia on Facebook at Hillel's of Georgia. Thanks for listening. The Common Good Hour is produced by Common Good Data. To access the show notes and learn more about our speakers and guests, navigate to www.commongooddata.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Spark dialogue with us on Twitter. You'll find us at the handle at CommonGoodHour. We look forward to continuing our conversation with you.